The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP, online with our app. Let's get it cracking, cuz. Mm. Ryan Stieg's in here with me. Uh, Rachel Zerby on vacation, our usual Wednesday guest. Ryan, kind enough to fill in for the Mining Journal. I wanted to start with that. I thought you might get the reference, being a hockey guy, but Snoop Dogg just needs to be in the booth for every hockey game. Remember that he was calling the fight, and he started with "Let's get it cracking, cuz." Yeah, something like that. Oh, I it got was good. it. Yeah. It was good. He's yeah. actually a pretty good commentator. I yeah. liked it. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think he would be because it's known that he's, you know, he's a big football fan, mm-hmm. a basketball fan. But yeah, his son plays college football. Yeah, um, didn't he play at USC or he something did. like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. so he's sitting there. And he's calling the game, and he's actually doing it pretty well. He's actually suggesting strategies <laughs> as it's going on, and they're not dumb ideas no. either. And uh, it was it was entertaining. And uh, to be honest, it's better than some other commentators that I've yeah. seen. Uh, Better than Mike Milbury, that's for sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's going to come out and beat you with a skate. <laughs> He's going to come into the that. studio and do it. Uh, remember a few years ago, how many years was it that um, Susan Sarandon was doing a New York Rangers game, at least one period, mm-hmm. and that was probably the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Really? I'm not a big Susan Sarandon fan, as it is, <laughs> but, boy, she was bad on air. Oh, man, I felt... For those guys trying to make that interview happen, uh, some some people can do it and some people can't. And the person that you wouldn't think would be do, able to do it, you know, the football mm-hmm. basketball fan, actually did a pretty good job. And uh, you know, he's actually was encouraging the players as going. <laughs> not, it was it goes all right, bad play, bad play, but you guys can get it now. Put some pressure on. Put some pressure on the zone. Oh, we gonna fight? Get cracking, <laughs> cuz. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it was it was good. I. Uh, they should bring him back, if the, if at all possible, as a guest. You know, well, and he narrates other stuff. Like, have you seen his nature videos that he narrates on YouTube? He does good at that too. Like, yeah, I don't know. I can, I need more Snoop Dogg in my life. Yeah, the, you know, he's he's a legendary rapper, but he's really expanded mm. <laughs> his career, like into just some really interesting stuff. Play by play guy, voice guy of uh, animation. You know, some acting chop. He's got acting chops. It's it, it's pretty good for him. Uh, you know, expand your resume a little bit. Ryan Stieg, Tanner Hoops with you on the Sports Pen Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us. we got a lot to cover here in the next hour. Miller Park's getting a new name. Alex Ovechkin may be playing at his best level yet. And the MLB inducts a new Hall of Fame class last evening. But I want to start with this because as crazy as it is, it almost sounds like the NFL nuclear option is gaining momentum. I don't know by who. But it looks like it's gaining momentum. And what I mean by the NFL nuclear option is there's some rule that was tweeted like Section 17, Article 2, Rule 3 or something crazy like that. Got to love it when lawyers get involved. Exactly. (laughs) And it said under extreme extraordinary circumstances that two teams could be brought back to a stadium to either replay a game or finish a game from where the extraordinary event took place and people are petitioning for that to happen in the nfc championship game i don't think it'll happen but boy as a talk radio host i sure hope it does i'd love to see something like that could you imagine although as bad as that missed call was would the nfl look more like a laughing stock by doing the nuclear option no oh yeah It'd yeah. be even worse. I mean, as bad as that call is, then you got the Chiefs could make the call as well. 
we got screwed out of some calls too. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play our game? And then it creates a massive, you know, just everybody's going to be wanting to replay a game now mm-hmm. if they go that route. And it's they look bad enough with their poor officiating over the weekend. And let's not make it worse by <laughs> replaying games just because of fan demand rather or like lawyers trying to partition stuff. Um, it's just, I mean, it's funny that they're doing it, but it's it's no way it's going to happen. The Super Bowl's way too close. You know, it be you know if it was like the uh, what is it? You know, if this was involved like the. Uh, college football national championship game where you get like a month off mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that, then I can see you as a long shot maybe considered. Mm-hmm. But now it's like there's already the security in place in Atlanta. They've made preparations for it. They've got the commercials are locked in. For the, you know, it's like everything's already in place. And you, you can't just delay that, you know. <laughs> now, with, now with a massive event like that. If it was like just a general playoff game, but now when it's a uh, worldwide audience and it, they just can't do it. So, <sighs> sorry, Saints fans, but you're not going to get another shot. So Ryan walked in here wearing his Vikings jacket, and I got to tell you, after Bounty Gate, I doubt you have any sympathy for them. No, I really don't. No. I, uh, <laughs> especially Sean Payton. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan of the guy to begin with, and a uh, little bit of karma. I think he... I'm a firm believer in karma, and it's funny because he went in there, you know, for the Vikings game last year, Mm -hmm. and he started taunting the crowd Mm -hmm. with the skull chant. Seconds later, he gets burned on the Minneapolis Miracle. So it's like he can't help himself (laughs) by doing weird – like, he was talking stuff to players, you know, talking trash during the game – and what happens, <laughs> you know, so hopefully he'll learn from this. I don't think he will, but maybe just the mindset of just coach the game, <laughs> you know. Yeah, maybe you spot your Hall of Fame quarterback a 13 nothing lead at home. Todd Gurley's not in the game. Maybe you just stick to your guns and not let C.J. Anderson be the reason why you're not going to not, the Super Bowl. Not, yeah. You're never in that position anyway. Not Todd Gurley. C.J. No. Anderson. C.J. Anderson, a guy who looks like he is a 50-year-old running the football. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look athletic. He's like Phil Kessel, but in the NFL. He doesn't look athletic, but he is for whatever reason. Yeah, and it's like you look at the – they had the lead. Mm-hmm. And a two-score lead, yep. and you blew it. You were playing well. You let the Rams back into it. You changed your game plan. You made bad play calls, and you were still in it. And you had the lead, and you so, and then you get, in the overtime you get burned by a fifty-seven-yard field goal, not a thirty or nope. something like that. And uh, I'm not surprised Zerline's got probably the Zerline and Matt Prater are probably the best long-distance. Greg the leg. <laughs> so. Um, that would be an adventure for most kickers, but <laughs> but for, like, Prater and Zerline, it's pretty easy. Uh, but, yeah, so I, it hurts, I know. And so many – isn't this this one guy who owns, like, a used car dealerships behind billboards all over the yep. south who's, who's basically complaining? Not, like, actually – doing something I mean, mm-hmm. he's just he's whining on billboards yeah. just like we got screwed set the money on fire at least to keep warm in the winter <laughs> yeah, i mean that'd be putting it to more use than your billboards i mean it's it's just they're not handling it well no and 
losses as a Vikings fan. Yeah. Losses are painful. I get it, but move on. <laughs> you know, it's you already have won a Super Bowl in your mm-hmm. history. You're probably going to be one of the favorites to get back there next year. You know, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, your pieces, if you hung on to them, are probably going to be in place, most of them. So you have it. You know, you mm-hmm. have a chance of getting back there next year. It'd be one thing if, like, you know, this was like a one-year team where you, like, grabbed a bunch of aging veterans to try to make a big Super Bowl mm-hmm. run. But you're secure. You you got you have a good future ahead of you. I mean, yeah, Breeze is getting up there, but he looked good yeah. <laughs> in the playoffs. So you're, you're, you're going to be fine. And it's like, you know, I wrote a column, I think it was last year, I talked about the five stages of grief as a mm. fan, and I feel like they're going through this. This is like the anger phase. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, you know, it was before then, oh, you know, we just, you know, we, you know, we, we were too good. We we got screwed out of the game. We're in denial that we didn't blow a lead. <laughs> you know, uh, all the stuff we did wrong. Then you go into anger where, okay, now I'm going to rant and rave and buy a bunch of billboards. <laughs> and then you move into um, the fear phase where you're wondering, oh, are we going to get back again? Mm-hmm. Is Breeze going to leave? All this other stuff. Then you go into bargaining, which I feel some fans are already getting into with the nuclear option. Yep. <laughs> Hey, give us what we want, you know, let's make a deal thing. And then you move into acceptance. And I thought it would be more so people would be getting to that point now that we're like a few days after that, but they're still lingering. It's in, actually in, gaining in, momentum I think, yeah, in the like, bargaining yeah, stage. Yeah, in the bargaining stage, there's some people like the billboard guy are still in the anger stage. It's just there's no <laughs> – they're stuck there. They're not willing to move on. So they're New Orleans fans. Yeah, I mean – you think a guy, bunch of guys would like to party all the time exactly. in New Orleans. You yeah. think you'd be able to, I don't know, get past it, <laughs> but apparently not the case. Well, they have a lawyer that's suing the NFL on behalf of the season ticket holders, Frank D'Amico. His lawsuit, I kid you not, he's suing the NFL for emotional distress and loss of trust because the Saints aren't going to the Super Bowl because, I get, was a bad call, but emotional distress and loss of trust over a football game. And there's an online petition. I have it pulled up. I'm looking at it in real time. They have an online petition to redo the NFC Championship game this Sunday. And right now it has 705,664 signatures. It's ridiculous. These people aren't getting over it, but I kind of love it, to be honest with you. It, it's it's funny in its absurdity. Like, mm-hmm. people are going this route, but it's just, it's kind of pitiful at the same time. Because you're just like, I, it's like, really? You're petitioning now? It's like, it's a football game, guys. It's not like... You know, something like a cherished thing got taken away from you. It's like you've won a title just, like, not that long ago. The emotional distress just, is my favorite part. You know, it's it's torn me up inside. If if they had not had that call, I would be in a much better place, <laughs> you know? It's, oh, it's, it's terrible. NFL, I have trust issues because you didn't get the call on Nickel, Roby, Coleman, whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, uh... If I if there's trust issues with the NFL, it's more than it's not it's other issues <laughs> with, the, with the NFL. Not a not a bad play call. You can talk about like the concussions or the lack of discipline for things. You know, it's like over there. 
too protectiveness now over quarterbacks, you know, all the stuff like that. There's other things, but uh, no, there's always dumb lawsuits, mm-hmm. and uh, that one might be for right now the cake for me. By the way, there is another petition going on. I don't know who's responsible for this one, but it's petitioning for the Saints and the Chiefs to play at the same time as the Super Bowl. Basically a Super Bowl boycott that everyone pays attention to the Super Bowl that the majority of America wanted. The Chiefs and the Saints, they're trying to get to 35,000 signatures. They're almost there. They might get that by the end of today. Almost like a third place game. Yeah, you know, because they were the two teams that, you know, got screwed out of the Super Bowl. (laughs) So I guess what people, you know... I actually more in favor of that than replaying the Rams Saints game, just because mm-hmm. that was. I mean, because I would have loved to see Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes go head to head. Yeah, would have been entertaining. Um, and on turf, <laughs> you know, that's where Drew Brees excels, and Pat, McHol- Pat Mahomes basically rallied yeah. <laughs> his team with his magic, and uh, it just it would have been cool to see. Now you got. New England and a team in L.A. who, when the celebration happened, have you seen the clips when uh, the winning kick happened in that bar in L.A. Mm. and, like, people were just, like, sat there and watched and were like, yay. And that was, like, the, extent, so of, the extent of the reaction. There was, there was no high-fiving. There was no cheers. There was no celebrating. It was like you went to the guy sitting next to you and be like, that was cool, man. That was, <laughs> that was sweet. Yeah, and that was it. And then they went back to talking about whatever. It was, it, you know, and it was just like, this is why the NFL wants two teams <laughs> in Los Angeles, <laughs> because it's that passion. And it's just, L.A. is just, it's a heart, unless you're a really, really good team there, it's just, it's kind of like Miami, just a very... We don't care. You know, mm-hmm. the Lakers in their heyday, they were selling out games. I mean, that was the big ticket. The Dodgers, now that they're good and spending mm-hmm. a lot of money, they're selling a lot of games. But uh, the other ones, it's just they can't sell out the Coliseum. Maybe no. that will happen if they actually get when they get their new stadium. Mm-hmm. But the Chargers can't even get into a soccer stadium. No. <laughs> soccer stadium. It's just there's it's not there and it's almost like you're torn between a very spoiled fan base in new england or a fan base of a team that doesn't really seem to care that a team is in the city (laughs) with so it's kind of a sad super bowl i mean it's it's i mean i think it's gonna be a good game and i think it's gonna be entertaining and fun in that way but it's just like do you really want either of these teams to win the game? I mean, one is just going to... Here's another thing um, that I noticed with the New England thing. Okay, so, you know, after the games are won, the, the NFL throws out that little ad. Hey, blah, blah fans, get your championship gear. Okay, mm-hmm. does anybody in New England actually buy that gear? Because... Do you go out and be like, hey, Super Bowl champs, no, I got to go out the next year and get NFC champion, or then I got to go the, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, or I mean, AFC champion, but like, do you do that every year? Some probably do. Some, but it, There's it's probably just, a few diehards that do. Because it's just like, most fans I know would get like the Super Bowl champion, mm-hmm. you know, shirts. I mean, 
do people really go out and buy NFC champion? I mean, wouldn't you wait like mm-hmm. two weeks <laughs> until you, you know, potentially win the Super Bowl? It just seems like a waste of cash and it gets so repetitive. But uh, I don't know. That was my funny thing I saw. Ryan Steig from the Mining Journals in studio with us. We're up against our first break. When we come back, we break down MLB's newest Hall of Fame class and a few groups that had a message sent to them last night. All that more coming up in the sports panel on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig hanging out with you. Thanks for being with us. As always, you want to get in touch with us, get in touch with the show, uh, give us your thoughts. You can tweet us. Get through on the show's Twitter feed, at ESPN-UP on Twitter. Tweet us your thoughts. Let us know what you're thinking. Anything we can uh, break down for you. Right now, we're going to break down the newest MLB Hall of Fame class. Four nominees inducted last night, including the first ever unanimous pick. Mariano Rivera, deservedly so, becomes the first ever unanimous Hall of Famer. Does it surprise you, though, that it took this long to get a unanimous guy? It surprised me very much so that it took this long, and it surprised me that it was him. To really? be honest, because okay. I thought I thought for sure like King Griffey Jr. would have gotten one. I mean, he had the previous record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then there's other like legendary players that didn't get unanimous. And I like Rivera, mm. but I mean, he was a closer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a dominant closer, but he was still a closer. Yeah, he he didn't try to be a starter he, when he started his career. Yeah, and he failed. Badly yeah, but it. it was just like. He ever, I mean, he was very, very good, but he pitched, like, what, one, two innings a game, and that's what got you 100%. I mean, it, he's very much deserving of a first ballot, and I could see him maybe getting 90%, but that's the unanimous vote. I mean, come on. There's there's other all-around players that deserved a unanimous vote than he did. So definitely first ballot, definitely high percentage, but that was that that's what's that he was the guy that a guy who pitches one to two innings a game actually got the unanimous vote it makes you think who would actually vote against ken griffey jr for getting in the hall of fame there are three people on the ballots who did and mm-hmm. uh i don't know why there's people there people are just i'd weird. love to know the reason the, the, there's really no legit reason not to do it mm-hmm. and but people are dumb and I've I've said it before. I the the baseball Hall of Fame is probably the worst yeah. because there's some weird tradition in there, and there's a lot of guys who have had their Hall of Fame vote for far too long, mm-hmm. <laughs> and still think like play is like back in the '80s and stuff like that. And they just it's just their the game's changed so much since then, and they're still stuck. Like, there's guys who don't take account of war. They don't take, you know, they focus so much when it comes to pitching on wins rather than, like, ERA and strikeouts and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. So it's just, it's different, and they're not willing to adapt. And the unanimous thing annoys me just because there were a lot of great guys who should have gotten in. I mean, Willie Mays wasn't unanimous. Mm-hmm. From what I heard, Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> if those guys can't even get 100%, I mean, what makes Mariano Rivera so good that he deserves 100%? It's such a biz- It's almost like they were, okay, people keep, you know, 
making fun of us for not doing unanimous. Let's do it this year mm-hmm. and give it to the strangest <laughs> person to get it. I mean, I, I think he's a magnificent pitcher, but it just not like a guy who, you know, had like like a Nolan Ryan kind mm-hmm. of guy, or you know that kind of pitcher. A guy. I mean, he didn't even get a hundred percent. What is the reasoning for this? Yeah. And why are these guys selected to be doing this job if they're not going to give Nolan Ryan or Ken Griffey 100%? Like, doesn't Poppy Levitard, like Dan Levitard's dad, doesn't he have a vote in this? I know Dan used to, and he got stripped of it, but somebody still yeah, on the Levitard show, I think, has one. Didn't Levitard, like, sell his yeah. ballot? <laughs> I know somebody. Dan got stripped of his. His dad, I think, might still be a voter. Yeah. Or maybe he's on the Heisman Committee. He's one of the two. Yeah, and it just, I mean... I'm still trying to figure how you got to do that. I mean, if you look at Dan Shaughnessy out of Boston Globe, mm-hmm. his whole ballot just had Mariano Rivera on it. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. But he's the only person he marked down. And he's been mocked heavily on Twitter for it. And it's almost like when they do the Hall of Fame ballot, it's like their moral standpoint, you know? They don't necessarily look at, like, everything that should be considered. It's just like... Oh, I this guy was mean to me <laughs> once. And, you know, I mean, I can understand Kurt Schilling not getting in right now because he's had a very contentious relationship with the media, and he says some highly controversial I'm things. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and I think that's what's keeping him. For me, he was always kind of like the borderline guy with the stats. Like, you could go either way. I could see him going, okay, I can see why he's in. I can also see why he's keeping out. But I think because he keeps saying stuff – that people don't like. <laughs> I think that's what's keeping him from getting the percentage. Didn't he get like 60%? Like the minimum you need is 75, right? He's, he's actually gaining momentum, though. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get a rise in uh, his vote totals from the previous years. And I'm glad you brought that up, Kurt Schilling, because you look at last night's class, and obviously Rivera being a first ballot and a unanimous guy, by the way, Sixth straight year we've had a first ballot Hall of Famer. That hasn't happened since 95. Rivera gets in along with Roy Halladay posthumously, Edgar Martinez, and Mike Messina. But one of the biggest stories is who didn't get in. And I'm glad you brought in Schilling because that's a great segue because I, I mentioned before the break, there's a few groups of people that I think had messages sent to them last night. And Kurt Schilling falls into one of those. Now, I know Kurt Schilling said some stuff that he probably shouldn't. That's not popular in the current PC culture. But I hate when voters put their own personal bias into something that's dictated by baseball. I believe Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer just based on what he's done as a pitcher. And, you know, Kurt Schilling is a big fan of our current president. The unfortunate thing is... Those who are opposed to the current president are very, very opposed to him. And they will be very, very opposed to anybody who supports him. So he gets a lot of that flack strictly on a performance-based scale, which is what I wish it was. I think Kurt Schilling should be in. I think that we kind of had a message sent to him last night, although he is starting to rise a little bit in the polls, if you will. I still think he's... A Hall of Famer when it's on a purely performance-based scale. I think he'll get in maybe on the Veterans Committee. Mm-hmm. I think he's not going to get in on the Media Committee um, just because um, And his joke on Twitter didn't go over well with a lot of reporters. No. I don't know if you saw that. His little uh, 
lynching journalist joke that he yeah. thought was funny. Uh, reporters didn't really like that very much. No, I'm not <laughs> saying he's even a good guy. It's just <laughs> you know, he's a good enough I, pitcher. I, I, I believe he is a yeah, whole thing. For me, he's more of a borderline guy. I think you can go either way, but it's just – you know, I don't want to restrict freedom of speech for people, mm-hmm. but like, if he like stops just for like a period of time, you know, because if you're tr- if people if you're trying to rely, if you really want something like really badly, which he does, mm-hmm. and you, the people who are in charge of getting you that, if if all you do is make them mad, you're probably not going to get what you right. want. So. Maybe if he just, I don't know, takes a break <laughs> from saying stuff. When, like, maybe like when he's up on the ballot, when the ballots are due, like for a period of time, I shouldn't say this kind of stuff. Or maybe be as vocal. I mean, it just, that's going to that's gonna hurt you because his public image is not good right now. No. I mean, you can look at, I mean, Bonds and Clemens are a separate issue, but their public image isn't great too. Right. And when your image affects you a lot more i think these days than what it used to and uh i think he'll eventually get in because the veterans committee you know tends to eventually get guys in that have missed and missed i think larry walker's gonna get in i thought edgar martinez was gonna get in on the veterans committee but he was i think like on the last ballot like they try to be like hey you know you've waited long enough here there you go so you don't because the veterans committee Tends to, I mean, the veterans can be got Harold Baines in there. Right. <laughs> you know, they get more of the weirder, <laughs> you know, picks. Well, I so, like Edgar Martinez. Uh, I, I think he's great. I think he's definitely deserving. But 375 he, hitter against he, the three pitchers he's going in with. Wasn't he like, wouldn't you see he's more of like the first straight up DH guy? I and, can see that. Yeah. I can you see know, that. that's what makes it interesting for me is I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that a guy just known for being a hitter, not mm-hmm. known for like his, you know, gold gloves or like any of the stuff like a pitcher would be known for. He's like the first real DH guy who got in the Hall of Fame. And that's kind of an achievement yeah. itself. So it just shows how the game's evolving. And I don't know if anybody's going to really be the next guy to do that. I don't know. Maybe Ortiz when he, you know, yeah. is up there. Well, and he was a clutch say, hitter too. Yeah. Especially yeah. against. Mariano Rivera, he had 11 hits and 19 at-bats against him. I think, yeah, that maybe he will, but when it comes to DHs, I think you have to really have the stats to mm-hmm. back up that all you did was at the plate, <laughs> so you really have to enhance yourself. So it was great for Edgar Martinez. I think, uh, you know, Mike Moussine has been waiting for a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he's very worthy of him, too. Um, and then... Uh, Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, who I think... The late, great Roy Halladay. Do you think him having passed away played a role, too? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think it sped up what was eventually inevitable. I think he was eventually going to get in, but I think because he passed away, I think that absolutely, you know, move it forth. I mean, I I don't know if that's politically correct to say, but I mean, I really do think that a lot of voters voted that way, just like they voted Kurt Schilling, how they did against him or how they did for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. I want to clarify about Schilling. I'm not saying there was an outright right-wing conspiracy against Schilling, that voters are uh, creating factions against him to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. But got to believe there's a few people there that don't like him very much, that voted specifically on their feelings. There's a... Voters... um 
will always have that in the back of their mind. I mean, there was a time back in I think the seventies when, or was it the eighties? Remember when Reggie Jackson was yeah. on the ballot, and he wanted to not only get he wanted to be a first ballot, and he wanted to try to be the first unanimous guy. So what he did is try to go on this funny little PR tour mm -hmm. <laughs> to try to make nice with the media. And he was a notorious jerk <laughs> to the media. So it's like, and people, I mean, he made it in, obviously. But, like, there, I mean, people saw what it was. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to make amends for what you've said in the past. You just want what you want. And a lot of people saw through that. Um Get back to Schilling, I think he's going to make it in the Veterans Committee. Bonds and Clemens, I think, are going to be – they're slowly <laughs> gaining ground. But I think, again, it's going to be a Veterans Committee thing yeah. because the closer you get, I think in your Hall of Fame ballot, if you're at, let's say, the minimum of 75, I think if you're at like – at this point, I think if you're, like, at 69 or something like that, I think it's, like, a sign that your next ballot you're going to get in. But if you're below that, it may be a while. And, like, isn't showing, like, these and you have two years left yep. or something like that? And Bonds and Clemens, how, like, two or three, something like that? Their time's ticking. Yeah. So, you know, if you can't get to that certain point, it's going to hurt you. And uh, I, I think that – the thing is with Bonds and Clemens, it's – there's the whole steroid thing. I think that sours a lot of people on it. Um, there's some people who want Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. I'm really opposed to that. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually opposed to that. Probably more. for more reasons than the steroids. I, I, I'm more opposed to that than I am to Bonds and Clemens um, because <laughs> what he did was violation of rules and baseball rules and uh, blatantly did it. <laughs> Not like... The thing is with the steroid thing, I, I'm a, I'm more of a purist when it comes to steroids. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should be in the Hall of Fame. That's just how I feel. But I think with the steroids, it was like it was a behind-the-scenes thing. NLB wasn't really strongly against it, and now that that's come out, they've become more so. So, but I think that's it's a moral thing for a lot of people. But I I think it's a little people are a little more of accepting of it than Pete Rose. I mean, you can look at the stats. Yeah, he's the all-time hits leader, but what what he did <laughs> was such a huge violation. I mean, from what people have told me in the locker rooms for Major League Baseball, there's actually the rule on the wall saying you can't bet on games. No. So he walked into the locker room every day, saw that on the wall, and did it anyway. <laughs> the Reds should know better than to get involved with gambling. Yeah. Thinking back to 1919. Yeah, it's just it was it was right there. So I mean, he was knowingly going against it, and then he lied about it for years, and then he finally, when he wanted to get in the Hall of Fame, he's he's finally admitting he did it. So it's just, it's interesting. Um, it's always a question when Hall of Fame voters come on. It's like I said, baseball is more of a really passionate thing. I think with the NFL, I mean, the NBA is kind of easier, you know, because people have the stats. It's blatantly obvious who mm -hmm. should be in the Hall of Fame. Whereas the NFL, it's kind of a more position mm -hmm. thing. Like, wide receivers didn't get a whole lot of respect. They're starting to get in there. Kickers don't get a lot of respect. No. Adam Vinatieri is going to make it in, obviously. But, like, they're not really looking good. It took forever to get, a, what, a punter yeah. <laughs> in the Hall of Fame? Because there's always that stigma attached. Whereas baseball is more of a really opinionated what kind of thing where you're 
bias can play a role or how your you know or your moral standing on what's what is good and what is bad in not only in the sports but kind of in life in general and that's going to really affect it and that's what gets people so upset about it is when baseball do it cuz when the football happens on the boards does anybody really get that passionate about twitter if like you know, if Terrell Owens, I mean, yeah, he got snubbed <laughs> that one year, but were, like, people really angry mm-hmm. about it like it is with baseball? It's it's just weird. Well, there are a lot of people angry about Bonds and Clemens who didn't get in, and even you look at guys like, to a lesser extent, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, their numbers aren't trending well either mm-hmm. to, to potentially get in the Hall of Fame based on the writers. But I know we have to take a break, but <laughs> I want to get this in. Mm-hmm. I thought that a group was targeted. And that specific group was people who've been linked to performance-enhancing drugs, players like Bonds and Clemens by the writers. And I'm not saying it was unjustly targeted. I think a message was sent. This is me personally going on a rant. If you don't like this take, you don't have to take it. But I, I'm, I applaud the baseball writers for what they did and by sending a message that steroids are not going to get you into the Hall of Fame. Because if you do... That changes the precedent for baseball. You get people telling you that steroids are going to be okay, that you mm-hmm. can achieve success by doing it. It's so cliche to think about little kids looking up to their favorite players and everything. That's the stuff Hollywood movies are made out of. But it's so cliche that people don't realize how much truth there is to it. And you get little kids that grow up in this environment where they can see steroids as being okay. So I don't mean to get too high on my pedestal, but I like to be more of a purist when it comes to baseball. I think the writers did a great thing by sending a message that steroids are not going to be the future of baseball. And they're going to, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're going to get in on the media side. They have a better chance on the veteran side. And they probably will. Yeah. But uh, I know that stings for them because stat wise, you know, you think you'd be, those would be like first ballot things, but when people know that you've had this link, that a good chance of your stats was due to something else that exactly. you were doing, that's it's it sends a bad message, and uh, I, I applaud them for doing that. They're not going to get to the threshold. I mean, they're what they hover in like sixty percent, and at this stage, you're not going to get it if you're at sixty. You know, Schilling is right there too. It's like you have to make a certain procession, and uh, I don't think they're going to get in, but. Uh, it's something I'm passionate about too. I'm opposed to this performance enhancing drugs Hall of Fame thing. You are too. So, but it's it's a very divisive thing. Some people are very okay with it, and other people aren't. I think there was a whole two and a half men episode that is titled <laughs> "I Think Baseball Was Better with Steroids." I mean, you know, Charlie Sheen really? likes it. I think that was the title <laughs> of the episode. I kid you not. I well, know he said it at least one point. Well, Charlie Sheen said he took steroids when he was playing in Major League. Well. I could see that. Yeah. To be honest with yeah. You. So I'm not surprised he'd be okay. <laughs> Major League's such a good movie. Yeah. Fine. You know, fine. Yeah. But uh, that's something else. But Ryan Stieg is in the studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Miller Park's getting a new name. And is Alex Ovechkin playing at his peak plus the Friday Funnies? All that and more coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Here is your Sports Center update. 
Larry Fitzgerald has signed a one-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. He will return to the NFL for his 16th season. Steve Spagnola has emerged as the favorite to replace Bob Sutton as the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. Spagnola was previously D.C. with the New York Giants and was briefly the interim head coach. And finally, CBS has decided not to air a commercial produced by Acreage Holdings during its upcoming broadcast of Super Bowl 53. Acreage Holdings is a company with a diverse portfolio of cannabis cultivation. They produced a commercial advocating for the legalization of recreational marijuana in the United States. I'm not saying that I'm for or against it. I'm not going to put my stance on the issue on air. I'm just saying I would love to see a Super Bowl version of a weed commercial. Just imagine what they came up with for that. Yeah, what I I feel like it's hypocritical with how many beer ads yeah. <laughs> are all over the place, but they won't do a medical marijuana thing. It's kind of a bizarre standpoint they're <laughs> taking on it. It's I I think it'd be hilarious. Cause it would be it, hilarious. It, I mean, like because they'd go for a funny aspect. I think you know it, it's kind of a serious thing, but to get people to support it, they try to have some funny in mm-hmm. it and i'm sure it would be entertaining so but uh you know with as money <laughs> beer commercials or uh how do i say it uh, enhancement pills yeah. <laughs> that are on during football games it's weird that they're taking a kind of a standpoint against that but are okay with other things we're just gonna have to rely on the doritos and the m&m's commercials <laughs> a rod's gonna be in a commercial for planners during the well, super bowl you go. yeah you've got an a rod commercial to look forward to about That's that's intriguing in its own thing. Miller Park is getting a new name. It's going to be Miller Park for the 2019-2020 seasons. Then in 2021, American Family Insurance Park. That is a huge L. Huge L. I mean, great for the Brewers if they were able to get a new corporate sponsor, what have you. But the Brewers not playing in Miller Park? Come on, that's a big L. I, I'm not a fan of name changes. I mean, look at the debacle the White Sox have gone through. Yes. <laughs> From guaranteed Comiskey, rate field. Comiskey to U.S. Cellular Field, the guaranteed rate. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks terrible. And uh, there was actually a Twitter, uh, somebody put out, what is the most passionate, what if a ballpark or a stadium or something like that were to have its name changed, what would bother you the most? For me, it's Wrigley Field. Yeah, yeah. Wrigley or Fenway. Wrigley, Fenway, um, you know. Madison Square Garden, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like really iconic stadiums. Mm-hmm. I think that would bop. I mean, Soldier Field for the Bears. I'm sure people would be upset if Lambeau changed its name to Probably something wouldn't. like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like a, a Wisconsin, like Johnsonville Brats or something. Johnsonville Brats <laughs> Stadium, home of the Green Bay Packers. You know, like some, I think that would bother people, the really famous, iconic ones. I think like more newer stadiums. I mean, Miller Park, you know, that's kind of synonymous with the Brewers. But like it's it's not doesn't bother me as much as like it would for other stadiums. I think Yankee Stadium. Would that would be, also be. I one. think, though, that. People would have less backlash if it was named as after somebody associated with them, like Steinbrenner Stadium or Jeter Park or something like. They could get away with that. Hmm. I could see that. Steinbrenner Stadium. I think that would be. I, I think that would be work worth more. It would work better in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in some other like maybe like more passionate communities. I mean, mm. New York's kind of a fickle thing. I right. Mean, they like winners, so I think. 
they like Steinbrenner, so I think they'd be more supportive of it. But like Wrigley and Fenway, and th- those are like really iconic parts, mm-hmm. and the people like it's like hollowed it's like hollowed ground for them. And I think if you were to change it in every way, I mean, people are upset in Fenway when they put the seats on top yeah. of the monster. So, or like had you know, people were upset at Wrigley when they added the electronic scoreboard yeah. and stuff like that. They wanted to keep it what it was. So I think if a name change, that would be <laughs> rioting in the streets or something like that. <laughs> Pitchforks and yep. flaming torches, stuff like that. Alex Ovechkin, another hat trick last night. Is he playing at his peak? Are we seeing peak OV right now? It's like he got that Stanley Cup and he went up another level. It's weird that he's peaking now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you, you, people, guys usually peak when they're approaching 30. He's, <laughs> you know, past that. Yeah. And yet he's stepping up his game. And people are talking about if he goes at the pace he has, is he going to pass Gretzky? Mm-hmm. He's the closest guy who could do it, but. You'd have to you you'd have to play at a high level year after year after year, and he'd have to pump in a lot of goals because Gretzky has what like eight ninety four. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think somebody calculate he'd have to play until he was forty and have to average something like close to forty goals, like <laughs> you know, every year. And as you're approaching forty, are you still going to be pumping in forty goals a year? Because eventually it's going to hit you, and you're not going to be able to score as much as you used to. So the potential is there. But I'm just not sure because it's such a, a large total, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I mean, and Gretzky breaking Gordy Howe's record. I mean, Gordy Howe played forever, yeah. <laughs> you know. And Gretzky was like a one of a kind talent. So, and Ovechkin's, Ovechkin's, you know, a talent of himself too. But you have to, he's going to have to really continue to play high. And I'm wondering at age 38 or something like that if he starts to fall off a little bit. It's like he got a taste of the Stanley Cup. He got to take his drink from the cup, then have the new law put in place for him, and now he can't get enough? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he he partied harder than everybody. I think he enjoyed getting the cup more than anybody. Well, I'm sure he did. Yeah. I mean, he's people were wondering before the season if he would give back the Stanley Cup because <laughs> it's such a part of him now. <laughs> you know, he had such this iron grip on it when he had the – because everybody gets the cup for a couple days, mm-hmm. and he had, like – he would not let it go. I mean, he eventually did, but he did not want to, you know, hand that even to a teammate. So it's, <laughs> he's a wacky guy and, uh, you know, I- I'm happy he's having, he's having success cause he's fun to watch. But as far as the Gretzky record, I'm not quite sure. We have a guest coming in toward the end of our show. So we're going to do the Friday funnies now, Ryan, we got five minutes before I'll, I got to get my guest coming in here. I will go as fast as I can uh, for Make uh, us laugh. for Sean McVay, Rams head coach. Apparently, it was released this week that he has a guy who keeps him back on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Who he's actually the strength coach for the team, but during the game, his job is to keep Sean McVay from crossing the sideline and drawing a penalty. And Ted Rath, who is his name. Calls it kind of a dance and tango. And if you've seen clips of it, you know, McVeigh is leaning towards the sideline and he will like reach out with his hand, Sean, get back. And like, or Sean will be walking down the sideline and looks like he's getting closer and he'll quick step in front of him, you know, to like keep, <laughs> to keep the sideline. It's just, it's entertaining to watch and he thinks it's funny, but it's McVeigh's idea, you know, because McVeigh doesn't want to cause a penalty, a no. costly one. So he has a guy, he has his own wrangler, a guy who's in control of him during the game. Uh, 
that's my favorite story of the ones I have. Uh, Devin Booker of the Suns playing the Timberwolves. He gets an elbow from one of the players. Uh, he responds with a little uh, love tap as they're, as they respond, a little shoving thing. Both players get tossed. Well, the Minnesota guy tells Devin Booker, meet me in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Like something's going to get thrown down. So Booker goes to meet him in the tunnel, and if you've seen the clips, he's literally dragging a, a security guy behind him. Like, the security guy has him by his shorts, and Booker is dragging him <laughs> down the tunnel. It's it's really hilarious to watch. Devin Booker's a big guy, yeah. but Gorgie Jang? Why would you want to fight him? You've got your whole life to live. <laughs> but... The whole, I mean, just the dragon, the grown man down the hallway as he's holding on to dear life. That was hilarious. Um, Tori Smith um, lit up his kid in Madden. Yes. Was playing his kid in the video game. Um, was trying to teach him a life lesson that you shouldn't quit. And it shows a shot of the scoreboard. And Tori Smith has like 122 points. And this poor kid has like 28. And he's just relentlessly piling onto his kid. Well, his kid picked to be the Jaguars. He deserves it. Yeah. And uh, whereas Tori Smith went the Panthers. But it's just... It's an interesting life lesson you're trying to teach. I think he he just wanted to lit up his kid, basically, on Madden. There was no life lesson. I think he just wanted to beat his kid badly. So, But that was a funny story. And Kyle Korver, it's more of a mild one. But uh, playing in this game, tempt a shot. It's an air ball. He grabs it and takes it out of bounds and tries to do an inbounds play. It's a turnover because the ball didn't hit the rim, and he just basically grabbed it. So that's the mild one of all the ones, but it's still a chuckle. But uh, hopefully I made people laugh with those because two of those are really funny. One of them's pretty funny. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the Friday Funnies brightened up a Wednesday because it is hump day. Maybe mm. that'll be a lead-in for the rest of the week. I don't know if I told you this. Kyle Korver is a distant relative of mine. So he's always been one of my favorite players for that. He's an Iowa guy. He's from Pella, Iowa. He's my grandpa's third cousin. I've never met him. He has no idea who I am. I hope he does someday. I'd love to hang out with Cal Corver. But I don't know. Someday maybe it'll happen. You should uh, tweet at him and be like... Oh, I have. Yeah. Hey, I'm distantly related. You're my grandpa's third cousin. <laughs> I think I tweeted that I was upset at him because I went to opening day in Atlanta two years ago, got his shirt, saw him play against Washington, then he gets traded to Cleveland. And I'm like, how are you leaving right after I bought this? See, I made the mistake. Well, my, uh, my wife got me a Golden Tate jersey mm. and got traded you know, to the Eagles like midseason when I bought the jersey. So... Yeah, so now it's hanging in my closet <laughs> for a guy that I got to wear it for a few games for. So it happens. I mean, I bought a Ricky Williams Miami Dolphins oh, jersey, and uh, that was my prized possession. Still is, because he came back and played for them, and that was fun. But he he quit like two weeks <laughs> after I bought it. <laughs> so it was... It's like all the Bills fans with their Vontae Davis jerseys. Yeah, I have a, a Dan Marley Suns jersey that oh, I geez. bought as a kid, and he got traded like the year after I bought it. So I've kind of made it a policy that, you know, if I'm going to buy a jersey, I want to get a guy who is, like, guaranteed to be there for years. You know, like, if I was getting a Colts jersey, getting, like, an Andrew Luck one. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, like, a running back or, you know, uh wide receiver because they get dealt all the time. So uh, just a learning experience for me. 
Ryan Stieg from the Mining Journal here with us, saying goodbye to you a little bit early, but appreciate you being here and stopping in. No problem. It was fun. All right. We have got Nikki Swenson coming up after this. Big event coming up in Marquette. She'll close out the sports pen after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN-UP. Special guest in the studio with us, Nicole Swenson, formerly Nicole DeWald, race coordinator for the Nokanamon. That is coming up this weekend. Nicole, thanks so much for being here. This will be my first experience with it since moving up to the UP. It's come highly recommended, and I'm so excited to see what it's like firsthand and to get the lowdown firsthand from you. Excellent. Well, it's wonderful to meet you. Welcome to Marquette. Thank you. And the No Cayman On Ski Marathon is set to go off on January 25th, 26th, and 27th. And basically the name comes from an Ashnabi word meaning noki, hmm. which uh, is meaning people from the water. And our race is 21 years old. We have a 50K, a 24K a 12K, mm. um, and a 15-mile snowshoe that go off on basically uh, 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. And then we have the wild side of the Noki that is on Sunday starting at 9. And on Friday, we start everything off with our junior no on, which is our youth races. And those start at the Forestville Trailhead. And we have a 1K, a 3K, and a 5K up there. There is some news about the weather being brutally cold on Friday, and so we're working on a cold weather plan for the Junior No Cayman on, and as of right now, there's a possibility that we'll be uh, canceling the 1 and 3K races, but going through with the 5K race, and that call will be made officially by Wednesday. So make sure to let us know. We'll relay that out to our listeners. But, again, Nikki Swenson in the studio with us, race coordinator for the Nokamina. Tell my listeners maybe some ways that they can get involved. Are you looking for volunteers? Is it too late to register? What have you? You can register at any time. This is a very family-oriented atmosphere. And so we have racers from uh, races for mom and dad up to the kiddos. And so you can register at any point until Friday evening, about 9 o'clock. It's when our registration closes. And then we are always looking for volunteers. To put on a race of this caliber in this type of weather takes over 500 volunteers. We need, I would say, at this point, 75 more volunteers, Mm. which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But these places are places like road crossings, the finish line I need people at. We need people to help tear down our finish lines at the end of the races on Sunday um, and kind of help us put everything away or send it uh, on its way to the storage facility. And at that point, everybody is exhausted. So we are. I am on the push to look for people to help with teardown. And then we have a new volunteer opportunity that's coming up this Thursday night at the NMU Superior Dome. We need about 20 people to help us with bag stuffing. Mm. We basically stuff our racer bags full of uh, stuffers from the community, from our sponsors. We also have um, gels in there, uh, energy 
tablets and race information in there. And then they come they come to the dome on Friday, pick up their racer bag, pick up their, pick up their bib, and then pick up their coveted No Cayman on Ski Marathon hat, which are beautiful this year. Tell me about the participants in this race. I mean, do you get people coming from all over to do this? How widespread is your event? Uh, the No Cayman on Ski Marathon for the past 21 years has been, I think, the largest, it's the third largest race in the nation. Mm. So basically, I would say in the mid- Midwest, it's the second largest race. We also have um, our big brother, the Berkey Biner, which is in Hayward, Wisconsin, in February, and that is the largest race in the entire U.S. Mm. As the No Cayman on, we bring in about twelve to 1,500 skiers of all caliber, and they the economic impact is fairly set. Substantial because they do. They come in Thursday night and stay till Sunday, or because it's a weekend festivity, or they come in Friday night and they stay till late Sunday night or leave Monday morning. Do you get international participants for this, or any any stories that stand out to you from the 21 years that this event's happened? Yes, we do get international racers, and that's always interesting when um, we we actually give cash prizes. So sometimes there's interesting things to do with that. Um, but I would say, you know, the main group of people is it, we are considered a Midwest race. Mm-hmm. When you look at maybe how this affects the Upper Peninsula, I mean, you talked about the economic impact it can have on Marquette, but tell me why something like this can benefit the Upper Peninsula and how it fits into the UP's identity. Well, like I said, we're a, tw- a race that's 21 years old, and it a race like this does put Marquette and the Upper Peninsula on the map for the Nordic industry. Every, um, we have the No Cayman on Trail Network, which is uh, over 100K of mountain bike and ski, mountain bike, skiing, and snow biking trails. So that is a huge draw. And basically, the No Cayman on Ski Marathon is a fundraiser for the No Cayman on Trail Network and basically helps provide funding to keep those trails open to the public. So let's fast forward to this coming Monday. At what point do you start preparing for this event? As the race coordinator, when are you looking ahead to the next event? We're looking ahead to the next event um, Prior to January 1, even this year, mm. we, as far as marketing, we have our poster for next year already set, and uh, we release that very soon, if not during the award ceremony on Saturday night, shortly after. So that is the big piece that we try to get is our branding out prior to or right after the, the, the race thing that I've missed we haven't touched on that you want our listeners to know? Well, I do have to say that the community sports the No Cayman on in so, so many ways, from our sponsors, UP Health System, Eagle Mine, River Valley, to 
our in-kind sponsors, to our volunteers, to our race committee, to you and the radio station. So thank you to everyone that gives their effort and expertise and shares it with the community and our visitors that are coming here for the weekend. Any idea how many expected participants you're going to have this weekend? We're looking pretty good. Um, I'm thinking at least 1,200, if not more. Um, One of the big outliers is our kiddo races. And with the possibility of having some frigid temps, we might have to cancel that 1K and 3K, and so that will affect our numbers a little bit. But um, our kids' races usually bring in about 300 kids. I'd just like to thank... ESPN Radio and WMQT and the staff and family that uh, they have supported this race for about 21 years and to all the sponsors out there. It'll be my first year doing it, but I'm very happy to do it. I'd love to come over and check it out because this sounds like a lot of fun. And for those of us who are going to spectate, go out there and watch, where does it start? Where does it end? Tell me about some place. Where's the best place to watch? The best place to watch is at our finish line, mm-hmm. and this year it's in a place called the Log Yard. Mm. It's out on County Road 550, and this area, you can take a spectator's bus from the dome to this area. We have limited parking out there, but there is parking out there, and... Um, Basically, it's a really beautiful stadium area that's surrounded by woods and rocks, and we have made it so that the skiers come in and almost do a horseshoe all the way around. We have sponsors out there as well as volunteers out there to create such a festive environment, and um, we're really looking forward to growing that atmosphere as well. So again, our start lines are at El Qual. And then we have a start line at County Road 510 in Nagani Township. And then the 12K is going to start at the No Cayman on Trailhead, Forestville Trailhead. Nikki Swenson is the race coordinator for the No Cayman on here coming up this weekend in Marquette and the surrounding area. Nikki, thanks for stopping in, taking the time, and thank you for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. That's it for us in the Sports Pen. Thanks for tuning in to ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.